Quality coffee requires a global effort, which is why Baba Java has built its business around the pursuit of excellence from farm to cup. By sourcing coffee directly from farmers in Yemen, China, and other origins around the world, Baba Java provides valuable business to these communities in exchange for quality coffee worth celebrating. Baba Java roasts coffee for their cafe and for customers to buy directly online. Right now, Washtenaw alumni will receive 15% off their purchase at babajavacoffee.com until November 15th. Use code OBUALUMNI at checkout to receive this offer. That's Baba, B-A-B-A, javacoffee.com and code OBUALUMNI for 15% off through November 15th. Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tune shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is alumna Lindsay Fowler Catlett from the class of 2014. Lindsay lives in Birmingham, Alabama with their husband Jacob, also a 2014 grad, their son Rodney, and their dogs Lily and Daisy. Lindsay shares about her work helping small businesses navigate the Paycheck Protection Program, jumping into parenting a teenager and their adoption journey, and her favorite Washtenaw memories from Tiger Tunes to Tiger Tracks and more. All right, Lindsay Catlett, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Thank you for having me, John. I'm so excited. The best way to start a Monday morning, talking about Washtenaw. <laughs> yes. Uh, are, you a, are you a Monday person? Do you like Mondays? I am. Yes, I am a morning person. Um, I've started listening to It's Gonna Be a Good Day every morning and kind of that's my hype song right now while I'm working from home. So yeah, I don't have that commute anymore to get excited about the day. So I just had to turn to YouTube and (laughs) let that be what gets me excited for the day. Yeah, our commutes are pretty um, sad here too. You know, they're two minutes for Emily to get to work and for me. So we can't even get through a podcast anymore. But Right. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Do you ever walk to work now that you're living so close to Washita? You would think I would do that more, but I don't do it a ton. Uh, mainly when we think that there's going to be lots of traffic or people on campus. Like we've walked to commencement, you know, the last yeah. time we had commencement, we walked up here. Um, during tune stuff last year, we just walked all the time because it was not worth trying to find a parking spot. So. Yeah, no, I remember the parking at Washita. It could get very heated at times, a little contentious. So especially around Francis Crawford freshman year, I feel like there were some lifelong grudges formed over parking spots. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, you know, we have this, you know, record enrollment and all this stuff. So parking spots are kind of uh, hard to come by. And now they've said you can't park at all on Cherry Street on either side. So yeah, that's cut down on some commuter spots there. Yeah, I'm sure. Did y'all, I saw on the OSF auction, there were reserved parking spots in the silent auction. Did y'all have any good bids on those? We did. I think they both went for, I don't know, maybe four or $500. So the interesting thing is they both want them pretty close to the science building and Moses Provine. Mm -hmm. And there's only now like 10 spots there. So two of them are going to be these two students, but (laughs) it'll be fine. Yes, worth it for student scholarships, though. That's great. 
exactly. Um, how are things in Alabama today? They are great. Um, the schools here just recently went back to doing five days a week in-person school. So um, Rodney's not doing virtual schooling anymore. So things are a little bit quieter at home. But yeah, they're going well. A good day in Birmingham. Nice. Do you just love Birmingham? Emily and I love visiting Birmingham for sure. We do. Yes. So when we moved here for grad school, my husband and I both came to Sanford um, for grad school and didn't know much about Birmingham before coming. And we just fell in love with it. It has almost like a small town feel, but a lot of the amenities of a big city without all the traffic of Atlanta or Dallas or something. So we have really enjoyed it. It's been a great, great place to land. Yeah. We love all the food there. Lots of good restaurants and things. Yes. So, so many, almost too many. I'll be honest. It's a little, I don't know. I probably need a fewer food options here, but. (laughs) (laughs) True. Now I know that you yeah landed at Sanford for grad school, but tell us about uh, what you've been up to since graduating from Washtenaw. It's hard to believe it's been six years since you graduated, but yeah. Tell us about your journey after Washtenaw. Yeah. So I graduated May of 2014 and got married that summer to Jacob Catlett, who I met at Washtenaw. And that August, we moved overseas to the Czech Republic. And we spent a semester in the Czech Republic um, filling in for some IMB missionaries that um, lived there long term. And they had come back for a semester stateside because their oldest son was actually starting at Washtenaw. And so they wanted to be in the States for his first year of college, help him transition. Um, But they needed someone to come and just kind of maintain the church that they were planting in the Czech Republic. And so Jacob and I had gotten to know them through First Baptist Hot Springs. And he had um, gone on a short-term trip to the Czech Republic to work with them before. And so found out about that opportunity and just felt like when again in life, are we going to, you know, we don't have jobs, we just finished school, um, don't have kids, you know, when else can we just pick up and move overseas for three months? Um, So we did that, moved to the Czech Republic for our first semester of being married, which I will say was a great foundation to be in a country where not everyone speaks English for your first few months of being married. Um, Definitely leaned on each other a lot, got a lot of good practice communicating with one another. So that was great Um, and loved our time in the Czech Republic. And when we came back, we moved to Birmingham and we both went to grad school at Stanford which has another great Washtenaw connection and Dr. Westmoreland, he and Miss Gina are here. And so Jacob went to seminary at Sanford and I went to law school and that was, I laughed. It's not like grad school is not fun, you know, but kind of misery loves company that we could both go through the grad school experience together um, and be on the same campus. And so that was just a really great trying, challenging, fun few years of being in grad school together. Um, And after grad school, stayed in Birmingham. I got an offer at a firm here in Birmingham and worked there for about a year. And then one of my clients that I had at that firm um, offered me a job to go in-house. So that's where I am now. Um, I work at BBVA, um, which is a bank that has, I think they have about 650 branches in the U.S. We're owned by, um, we're a subsidiary of a bank based out of Spain. And they bought a bank in the U.S., so we're BBVA USA, and um, one of the 
top 25, I think, commercial banks in the U.S. So I'm um, on the legal team there supporting the small business lending. So that's where we are now. It's been a whirlwind six years, but yeah, we're still in Birmingham and love it here. And um, felt like Washtenaw gave us a really great foundation to get where we are now. That's great. Tell me about BBVA. Tell us what you've been working on uh, recently there. Yeah. So I joined BBVA last October um, and came in supporting the small business lending team. And then of course, as everyone knows, just Six months later, I guess it was, the world shut down and COVID hit. And um, unexpectedly, small business lending became a really hot topic with the Paycheck Protection Program that was part of the CARES Act. So had a little bit of kind of baptism by fire on small business lending this past year, but it has been a great learning experience. I think it's really brought our small business lending team together. Everyone's had to work especially in the spring, it was around the clock trying to get this program launched. Um, Normally at BBVA, when we launch a new lending program, it's a year-long process from the initial discussion to development to testing and risk assessment. And we did all of that in a matter of a week and a half. So it has been, yeah, I learned a lot just in this first year, Um, but it's been great. We've done, I'm trying to remember, I think it was about um, 20,000 PPP loans that we've done. We had about 360,000 small business jobs that were able to be funded through our PPP loans. And we did a total, the final count that I saw was a little over 3 billion in PPP loans. So that is all that I have been working on the past six months is PPP. And we're trying to get our forgiveness portal launched right now. So It's been a really interesting experience. I know that there have been a lot of people on the front lines of COVID with teachers and those in the medical arena, but I feel like maybe an overlooked front line was our small businesses that when everything shut down and we had the mandatory stay-at-home orders, um, a lot of those businesses faced a lot of uncertainty in how to keep their employees on the payroll and how to keep their families so they didn't have to lose their job. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So it was a really, really um, cool experience to get to help them and support them as they were another kind of front line of this COVID quarantine era that we're living in. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the small businesses need any other help, you know, in the future. I know there's maybe legislation that's kind of stalled out, but um, I think a lot of businesses still need a, a good bit of help. So hopefully that'll be on the way. Yes. And I know right now we're looking at um, the forgiveness process. We're trying to launch our forgiveness portal so that we can make what is really a really arduous process of applying for forgiveness as streamlined as possible. Um, So it is, it's an ongoing, not just that initial, how do we keep businesses open and keep their employees on the payroll, but how do we continue to support them as they're going to recover and hopefully come back stronger than ever after COVID. So yeah, I'm really grateful to be um, able to help those small businesses and grateful to be part of such a good team at BBVA that everyone was willing to step up and um, do what needed to be done. We were actually in Arkansas when the PPP program was first launching and going to campus to the LJ Brooks basketball court and shooting hoops with Rodney was kind of my de-stressor when things would get a little overwhelming. So I thought through 
a lot of SBA regulations on the LJ Brooks basketball court this year. I didn't make many goals, but I did do a lot of thinking there. So that was good. That's awesome. Yeah, I know that's a special place. You worked hard to get that court up and running. And we were at Tiger Tracks this weekend and I went to the court and the goals were gone. Like the actual, like the backboards were there, but the goals were gone. And I texted Tim Harrell and I said, did someone break them or steal them? And he said, no, I think we had to take them down because people were not being like safe with COVID on the court. And so they've taken them down for a minute. I was like, well, that's better than them breaking. Yes, <laughs> I was yeah, like, I, I bought like hardcore community basketball goals that are not supposed to break. So surely they didn't break. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I hadn't seen the new goals until we went this past spring and they looked awesome. So I hope that Rodney and I weren't the ones that encouraged him to take it down. We weren't social distancing. So sorry about that, Tim. No, Emily, you know, does a lot of walking around campus. And she said, I think it was early on in the fall that the basketball court and the volleyball court were full of unmasked, you know, people playing. So (laughs) it's hard to probably play basketball in a mask. So that's so true. Yeah. I can't play basketball with or without a mask. So I can only imagine. Oh, I wish you could have seen, tra- seen tracks this weekend with people trying to wear masks in the mud and mask in the pool. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I hadn't even thought about with the wrapping. Yeah, we kept, we kept talking about it. Like, okay, is it safe? What if they fall in the water with their mask? Will they like waterboard and drown? We don't know. But that's true. Yeah. You got to kind of, which is a bigger risk, I guess, at that point. Yeah. You know about risk assessment there in your well, legal world. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's normally that's what I do in my job and it would not be interesting content for a podcast, but PPP <laughs> is something that I feel like people are at least aware of, but normally I wouldn't bore you with banking regulations and stuff like that. Yeah. We tried to be, you know, super safe with tracks and um, mm-hmm. we had the mud tug of war and Josh Spiva, one of our students, his only job was to sanitize the rope between groups with Lysol. He would run down the rope with Lysol and he was like, I'm not sure if it's all sticking or what's happening, but I thought it was really fun that we were trying everything we could. Bless his heart. Yeah, that is, wow. Good for him. Treasures in heaven to have that job. That is. He just with a smile running down the rope with the Lysol bed. That is awesome. That's that OSF work ethic right there. Sanitizing a muddy tug of war rope. (laughs) This is funny. Now, um, I know that Jacob uh, has a job with a coffee company there in Birmingham. Uh, I know that uh, it's called Baba Java. We loved auctioning that subscription off as part of the Tunes Rewind silent auction. Tell us about what Jacob's been up to and tell us about Baba Java. Yeah. So after um, Washita, Jacob went to seminary at Sanford. And he actually, while he was in seminary, had gone on a short-term trip to Oman. And through that trip and through our church that we go to here, the church at Brook Hills, Jacob got to know um, a couple of guys really well, Nathan and Brad. And they had both lived in the Middle East. Um, Nathan's family lived in Jordan, and Brad and his family lived in Oman. And while in Oman, Brad worked with a coffee roasting company there. And so he had to come back stateside. But when he came back, um, they all kind of started talking with Nathan and Brad and Josh, Nathan's son and Jacob about opening a coffee company in Birmingham um, and kind of utilizing Brad's experience doing that in Oman. And so they opened Baba Java Coffee in 
August, I think, right after we graduated. Um, and so Jacob's been with them and they have coffees. They're kind of niche, a specialty coffee. And so they have, they source their beans from the Middle East, China, Central and South America. And they work directly as much as they can with the farmers that are actually growing the beans and with the mills that are roast, you know, they do their own roasting and try to work directly with the mills on sourcing the beans. Um, so that's been really cool. I've gotten very spoiled to having an at-home barista. I'm not going to lie. That's been a big plus, but yeah, they're doing really well. They've got a cafe here in Birmingham and they do subscription services, which I think is what we auctioned off for the OSF silent auction was a one year subscription. Um, and they're also in the grocery stores here in Birmingham. They have a lot of great partnerships with Piggly Wiggly and different grocery stores here um, in the area. And so they supply coffee to those. And they actually just in the last couple of weeks opened a new roasting space in Birmingham so that they could um, accommodate the subscription services that they've had and have a little bit more space to do that and a bigger roaster. So yeah, they're um, doing well and enjoying it. And so it's been really fun to get to learn about that. I feel like that is something that we've just developed an interest in and to see how people can use that to help those overseas, um, help the farmers to make sure that they're getting the best value for their work and that they are being rewarded for all that they do. It, I, Jacob could explain it a lot better than I could, but there's just the business model of being able to give the farmers the top dollar for what they're doing so that they can reinvest in their communities is a really big part of what they're doing. Um, and I know Jacob got to come and speak with um, Debbie Francis's entrepreneurship class at Washita last fall and share a little bit about what they're doing. And I will just brag on, I sat in the back of the class and the students in that class, I mean, they were pointed questions about fair trade principles and how can they as consumers, you know, look for businesses that are doing this, that are treating the farmers with respect and um, giving them a living wage for what they're doing. And so I was just so blown away by the intentionality of those students in her class and how much they cared about not just the product, but the process. And so that was really cool to get to see. I love that. I love hearing stories about students who, uh, you know, care about things that are important to us, which is really good. Yes, uh, yeah. I talked to a, a friend that um, is now teaching classes here at school and mm -hmm. we were talking about politics and, you know, the process. And I wore my I voted sticker and all my student workers wanted to know, like, who'd you vote for? All this stuff <laughs> and positive stories about students engaging. So, yes. Yeah, I was blown away and so impressed by that. I, I hate to admit, I was probably very unaware of those issues when I was their age um, and just kind of have learned about them through Jacob working with Baba Java and, you know, the decisions they've had to make. So I was just really impressed that that was on their radar and something that they really cared a lot about. That's good. Now, I know many of your friends have seen your family growing on Facebook. Tell us about your family. Tell us about your adoption journey. Yeah. So while we were in grad school at Sanford and Jacob was in seminary, he worked part-time as a youth pastor at an kind of inner city church here in Birmingham. And it was a really fun experience to get to serve alongside him in that capacity. And while we were there at that church, um, we were planning our graduation trip to Israel after we graduated from law school and seminary. And so 
um, had the children's pastor's daughter was going to come and stay at our house and dog sit while we were gone. So we'd invited her over just to kind of, you know, see our house, meet Lily and Daisy. And while she was here, she just started kind of sharing with us the story of one of our students in our youth group that a great kid, you know, we'd gotten to know him a little bit, but just some of the stuff that was going on at home with him and that she had become aware of. And after she left, Jacob and I both just felt kind of impressed on our heart that we need to step in and do something to help him. We didn't know at that time what it was. We definitely were not anticipating or looking to adopt a teenager. That was not something we thought we would be doing. Um, But over the next couple of weeks, we were on that trip to Israel. And so had a lot of time just to kind of pray and fast and talk about what does that look like and just really um, felt called to have a bigger role in his life. And it just became evident to us that, you know, we're staying in Birmingham after grad school. We had been blessed with a home and some stability that maybe Rodney needed at that point. And so when we got back from Israel, we talked to Rodney's grandmother and family and talked to Rodney and it just got orchestrated all of it. It was not something that um, was a clear path forward as to how do we do this? There wasn't really um, a lot of people that or anyone other than you and Emily that I know of that have done something like this. And so it was definitely uncharted waters for all of us, but it was really cool to see everyone, despite differences, come together and want what was best for Rodney and want to do what we could to help him finish out his high school and enter young adulthood well. And so through the family court process here in Birmingham and yeah, ended up adopting Rodney and he's been with us three years now. So it's been, yeah, just God at every turn and every corner has orchestrated it so well because it is not something that I think either of us were equipped to do without his guidance at every single step. Yeah, what's it been like parenting a teenager just jumping right in there? I know, um, you know, Emily and I did that as well. and There were joys and challenges, but what's that been like for y'all? Ooh, it is a sanctifying experience. That is maybe the best way to word it. No, it's been great. I have um, learned a lot about football and Minecraft. I've expanded my expertise in those areas. Um, our grocery lists now include a lot more frozen pizzas and hot pockets and things than they used to, but it's really been good. I remember when Rodney first came to live with us, we kind of sat him down and, you know, all got on the same page that it was going to be a new experience for him to have parents like us that had a lot more boundaries, but that, you know, kind of confessing to him that it was going to be a new experience for us as well, that we weren't always going to make the right decisions, but that we were going to make decisions with his best interest at heart. And so there's been a lot of grace back and forth on both sides as we've all kind of navigated this and tried to learn how to parent and how to be parents. Um, So that's been really, really good. I'm really grateful. We've had a really great response from our small group at church. They have just welcomed Rodney in and they all have younger kids and all of the younger kids love Rodney. They love playing football with him and look up to him. And so that's been really, I've really appreciated that, that even though most other couples our age have young kids, no one has 
blinked an eye about just welcoming Rodney in. And our families have been so great to just welcome Rodney in and love him. And he loves going to my parents' house to stay because they'll let him stay up and watch TV all night. And my mom makes sure to have junk food in the cabinet. And so he is like living the dream when he gets to go stay with them. So yeah, it's been a really, um, a really just a lot of growth. I think for all of us, there are good days and bad days. And I mean, I think that's true with any teenager, but it's, you know, I just pray every day that it doesn't reflect on Rodney, that we have no idea what we're doing, that we are winging this. And if it's not in a Paul David trip book, I probably don't know to be doing it. So that's, yeah, that's what it's been like the past few years, but it's been really good. Good. Yeah. You know, it's just remarkable that he's, you know, been through so much, but then he's like the sweetest, kindest, you know, person whenever I've met him or visited with him. And, you know, he volunteered to help set up that booth for the Southern Baptist convention, just jumped in there. So yeah, just seems like a great, great kid. He is. He's a sweetheart. And that's something too. I mean, before we even came in the picture, we've only been in his life, I guess, four or five years now. And there were so many other people at his church and in his family that I know were praying for him and loving him throughout all of growing up. And, you know, it sounds cliche, but it takes a village. And I feel like we came in, at, God brought us into his life at a time when he needed some more stability and we had that to offer. But um, I just know that there's a lot of people and that God's protected his heart for all of his upbringing, that he still has that sweet spirit and isn't hardened by things that he's seen going on in the world. So that's been just really, yeah, I'm really proud of him. I could brag on him for hours, but I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Now I know Rodney's been to campus a few times and done some things with the football team. And uh, what's that been like, you know, jumping in, you're parenting a teenager, you're also, you know, helping him look at colleges. What's that been like? It's been surreal, um, but Washtal has made it such a great, great experience. Um, Lori Modal and her team in the admissions office, I am just blown away with how detail-oriented they are. I mean, reaching out, making sure that all of his questions are answered. I remember our first visit to campus with Rodney. Um, Emily Schleif was our admissions counselor that gave us the tour, And at that point, Rodney was not even interested in college. He felt like it wasn't for him. Um, From his family, he'll be a first-generation college student when he does go to college. And so he was very intimidated, I think. And Emily was just so great to take the time. I remember the first question he asked her as we started the tour, and she was, you know, talking about different classes and undecided majors and things. And Rodney was like, what's a major? I don't – what is that? And, like, wait, so you just – pick what classes you want, you know, just very foundational things that I was embarrassed. We probably should have talked to him about beforehand, but that I just assumed that he knew. And Emily was so great to answer all of his questions and make sure that she was circling back and that he was having a good first impression of college. Um, And that just spoke volumes to me as an alumni that she was willing to do that. And Dr. Wink was willing to let Rodney sit in on a couple of his classes. And Rodney is, if there's a Dr. Wink fan club out there, Rodney will be president. I am confident. He loves Dr. Wink, was just soaking up his class and the fact that um, he was talking to the students and 
you know, making sure it wasn't just like a high school class, you know, and Rodney goes to a pretty big high school where you just sit in class and the teacher gives you notes, but that Dr. Wink was wanting to get to know the students. And that made just a really great impression on Rodney. So I was very, very thankful for that. Um, I embarrassed him a little bit. I think I kept throwing in my own anecdotes as Emily was showing him around campus and I may or may not have started crying when we walked into Gosser, but yeah, it was fine. I just took a detour into that movie theater room and cried a little bit and then came out. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it was three, three of the point of grace uh, members, you know, came to campus and brought their kids and the one given the tour, our, our tour guide here said that was not really a normal tour. They just wanted to tell stories about their time at Washtenaw the whole time. And I think that's so funny. It's like, you know, kids trying to get their experience, but you're having your experiences, you know, and, and wanting to share those as well, which I think is really fun. Oh, yeah. I was reliving my glory days. Rodney cut his eyes at me once or twice. And I was like, OK, I need to turn it down a little bit. But yeah, it was so great. And Emily was so patient with me, too. I talk about her being patient with Rodney. She was patient with me, too, being like, oh, yeah, OK, but this is where we did that. And this is where this happened. And whoa, they updated Chick-fil-A. So anyway, it was great. Lori and her team do a fantastic job. And we have just been being on this end of it is just, it's been a great experience and I'm so appreciative of that. And yeah, Rodney got to go to a Tiger football camp a couple of summers ago. Um, And Spencer Knight was just so great to talk with Rodney. And I think even gave him his cell phone number in case Rodney had any questions or anything. And so um, that was just a really great experience as well. Yeah. I think those questions are so interesting. You know, we have, some resources now just for first generation college students. And you just don't think about the things that they're not aware of. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we have a financial aid counselor that's strictly for first generation students because they, they don't even know about, you know, scholarships and how they could maybe get things paid for. They think they just have to like come up with all the money on their own. There's so many things you don't think about when you're around it so much, but yeah, there's lots of unique things there that they are thinking through. Definitely. Yeah. I took that for granted growing up around Washtenaw and just kind of being familiar with that. Um, And so it was neat to get to see it from a different perspective and how Washtenaw is not just for one kind of set of circumstances, but there were resources and people for everything. We got to go meet with Nicole Portia and she was so great. She sat down with Rodney. And um, I think the biggest thing was just giving him that confidence that you can fit in here and that he didn't need to be intimidated of college, that there were people there that were, you know, going to be friendly with him and that were going to welcome him in. And it was not something to be afraid of. And I think that was just the biggest takeaway from that first tour of Washtenaw that I was so grateful for. That's awesome. Now you grew up in Arkadelphia. You were around Washtenaw a lot. Uh, What made you choose Washtenaw for school? Was it always where you wanted to go or did you think about other schools? What was that process like for you? Yeah, so um knew a lot about Washtenaw. I was a third generation Washtenaw student. Um, and growing up, one of my older cousins, Terry Fowler, she's now Terry Fowler Cross, went to Washtenaw. So I kind of got to be on the periphery of watching her Washtenaw experience and how great it was for her. But I'll be honest, when I was in high school, I was very apprehensive about going to Washtenaw. I didn't want it to just be, you know, high school 2.0. I thought that it would just be the same as it was growing up in Arkadelphia. So I did look at one or two other places. I remember going to visit 
um, WashU in St. Louis. And it was on that visit that I kind of looked around. And when you grow up around Washita, I guess, again, you just kind of assume that everywhere is like Washita. Um, and visiting other colleges is actually what solidified for me that Washita is where I want to be. When you go out and look and kind of compare, you see how valuable Washita is and all the opportunities that Washita offers that are not standard, I feel like, at other places. And just that culture that Washita has of, um, I know Rodney worded it really well after he went to one of the prospective student weekends. He pointed out that he felt like Washita equally prioritized the spiritual development and the education of its students. And so that I think is a really great concise way to describe the difference between Washita and some of the other schools that I looked at. And yeah, so landed at Washita. Um, I had the benefit of because I grew up there, I took a couple of classes my senior year, took Bible survey and Bible interp with James Taylor. And I will never forget that it was spirit week at Arkadelphia High School. So we had all dressed up, you know, as different characters. And I had dressed up for the day as like Cleopatra and my friends, Annalise and Anna Grace had dressed up as like knights or something. It was like decade day. And I would like to say that we didn't plan we didn't plan ahead well and didn't have clothes to change into before we came to Washita for our classes but honestly we probably thought we were being funny and we weren't you know but I remember walking into class and like just being mortified that why am I standing here in this Cleopatra outfit and you know James Taylor didn't call us out or embarrass us and the other students didn't laugh at us even though they had plenty of material to laugh at and I think it was in that moment it was like yeah this is the place for me. These are good people, you know, <laughs> They're not heckling us for showing up in Halloween costumes to class. So. I love that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, now I know that, you know, a lot of us here on campus love your mom and love uh, getting to know her. She's so patient with all of our questions about, you know, all the IT things and Moodle and <laughs> all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like going to school with your mom working here? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was so great. It was a really special time getting to be on campus with her. There were many days where if I just needed to get off campus for a little bit, she and I would go to Mazio's and eat lunch. I don't know if Mazio's is even still there. That was our go-to lunch spot. Um, And not just being close to her, but my grandmother lives just a couple of blocks from campus. And so in between classes, we would sometimes have what we called nanoseconds where I'd run by and get to have a cup of coffee with her and chat with her. And so that was just a really fun four years, fun aspect of college was getting to, you know, grow even deeper in those relationships with them. And I'll never forget too. my mom at one point kept a box of honey buns in her office as kind of an incentive for me to swing by in between classes and get a snack. And um, there was one year, so Student Senate every year gives a report to the Board of Trustees just about what's been going on on campus. Um, and I had waited until the last minute to print out my report for the Board of Trustees and went to the library only to realize that I had run out of printer money. And so dashed up to the IT office and tried to print all of these out. And yeah, so she also saved the day a few times with things like that, that um, she and Billy Phelps let me come by and print things out when I would run out of printer money and was in a pinch. So that was also a really practical benefit to having her there. So I love that. 
how do you think Washtenaw prepared you for your life and career? I know that, you know, you had a really great experience here, but how do you think that Washtenaw prepared you? Um, I think in two really big ways. The first was just, and Jacob and I have talked to Rodney a lot about this, you know, even as he may be unsure about what he wants to study or what he wants to do in the future, that Washtenaw is a place where you really learn how to learn. Um, regardless of what classes you take, you're going to learn how to look at things critically and, you know, see different perspectives. And I think that's something that um, has really being in the working world now and being able to kind of pivot and be versatile. Um, I definitely attribute that to Washtaw because different classes and I guess it's that liberal arts you know, approach to learning that you're not just taking things in your major and you're not focused on a one track. Here's what I want to do, but you're exposed to a lot of different things. And that can be challenging at times to, you know, you ask yourself, why am I learning this? I'm never going to need it. I don't think, but just to develop that approach to learning, I think has been really, really helpful. And especially in law school, that was a really great foundation to have. Um, Also just, Washtenaw has a culture of service. It's not an afterthought. It's not a question of will I serve? It's a question of how will I serve? And I think that having that background, especially when things came up, like the opportunity to help Rodney, it was not a question of will we or won't we? It was how will we? What does that look like? And I really do attribute that to Washtenaw as well, that from the Elrod Center and all that they do, but it's not just isolated within the Elrod Center. I mean, every organization on campus from OSF to social clubs to student senate, campus ministries, I mean, I can't think of a single organization that exists only to benefit itself. Um, Everyone is looking at, here's what I'm passionate about, or here's the group of people that I love, how do we serve together? And so that's been um, just a really cool thing that I don't think I realized at the time that we were developing that mindset, but seeing so many other classmates after Washtaw that are serving in their communities as well. I think we all really, without even knowing it, kind of that became ingrained in us while we were at Washtaw. Yeah, I think we can take for granted, you know, seeing it all the time that it's not like that everywhere, you know, that people don't have that same experience. Yes. Yeah. But it's so important. I think that that's part of what makes Washtaw so special too, is that all of the alumni have that mentality and have that approach. And so they're so willing to, you know, give back to Washtaw and to serve in different ways. And I think it makes for just a really great culture, not just on campus, but within the alumni community as well. For sure. Uh, I know you got to do a lot of really great things as a student and I know, um, you know, the way that we got to know each other really well uh, was through directing Tiger Tunes and Tiger Tracks. Uh, You know, we've had to rethink that with Tunes Rewind and we did Tiger Tracks this weekend in the fall. It's been kind of wild, but what are some of your favorite memories of Tunes and Tracks? Yeah. Oh my gosh, John, I feel like I could interview you for a podcast of like how to OSF in 2020. Y'all are (laughs) amazing. I have been blown away by the creativity and the execution. So kudos to y'all. Um, Yeah, I, gosh, it's hard to narrow down some of my favorite memories. Um, With tracks, I I guess this is a little behind the scene tiger tracks. I loved that every year. I don't know if anyone, if y'all still do this or not, but when I was there, we would kind of break in the mud pit by having faculty and staff children come and just play in the mud, you know, and 
we gave them the really big responsibility that they had to get the mud pit ready for the students and they had to get out there and splash around in the mud and make sure that it was broken in well and so that was a really fun memory it was no more than a half hour in the morning of tiger tracks but just to see them out there was really fun um and so that was a really great memory i loved too with tiger tunes i mean not any one memory but just the energy and the excitement backstage during tunes weekends and getting to see everyone i think probably everyone was hyped up on pixie sticks and whatever they had before coming backstage but wow just getting to be back there and see how excited everyone was was a great great memory and um, I love to, I didn't realize until working with you and Emily, um, doing the OSF side of things, but I remember something that sticks out in my mind was Amy Garrett, um, getting the lyrics for each song so that she could translate it for ESL students. I think it was, mm-hmm. and just so many little things like that, that I had not realized go on behind the scenes when I was a student in Tiger Tunes or someone in the audience growing up, but just seeing how all of that came together and happened, um, that was really great. I remember senior year when we went out to do the dance with the host and hostesses at the very end and then announced the winners. I had backstage, I had taken off my high heels that I was wearing because they were hurting my feet. And then it came time to go out there and, you know, announce the winners and do the dance and everything. And I couldn't find my shoes. I think they got picked up by a group when they were grabbing their props. I don't know. I never found them. And so I had to go out on the JPAC stage in front of like 1500 people barefoot and I think Kirby was out there with me and we were announcing the winner and I went backstage afterward and had a text from my mom that was, where are your shoes? Why are you barefoot on stage? And so, yeah, that's, um, yeah, an embarrassing Tiger Toon story that (laughs) I had hoped that no one had noticed that I was barefoot, but she noticed. (laughs) Did you ever find the shoes or did they just get swept away? They just got swept away. I don't know. So the Phantom of J-Pack wanted them. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but that's okay. I've got plenty of shoes, so it's fine. That's funny. You know, there are so many details to putting on tunes. And, you know, we've done Rewind, which was totally different. We're Mm -hmm. looking at spring options uh, that may be a bridge to fall is what I'm calling uh, spring tunes if we get to have it. But I'm afraid I'm going to forget because I don't write a lot of things down. And I'm like, if we do these things differently, what if I can't remember how to do normal tunes? You know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm like, what if I forget something? But I don't know, John. I feel like tunes is like in your bloodstream. I feel like you could do it in your sleep. And I'm sure you would rather be asleep at times <laughs> during homecoming weekend. So, yeah, I have full confidence. But if you need me to look at my old OSF folder, I'm happy to do that. I mean, you had a pretty epic OSF folder. So it was yeah, your your format for the lyrics and one-liners and all that is still like my favorite, most organized way of doing that. Like, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I think it took up, like I had to get an external hard drive that semester because I had so much stuff between tunes and tracks that I didn't want to lose any of it. I was so scared to delete anything or move it to the wrong folder. So yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Um, we have this segment on the podcast we do with everybody called Fast Fave Fives, just asking about five uh, memories from your time at Washita. Um, So the first one is favorite professor. Do you have a, a favorite professor? I know you probably have a few, but. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Um, I will. I love so many professors at Washita. That's a really tough one. I will. I'll give you two. Okay. Um, 
Dr. Hal Bass is just someone that was a great mentor and a friend growing up. He was my Sunday school teacher at First Baptist and then a great professor. And he also was our faculty sponsor for Student Senate. So got to work with him on that. Um, So Dr. Bass and um, Brian McKinney is another really great friend and mentor and professor. I actually used the outline from his business law class my first couple of weeks of law school. So, yeah, he was really great at preparing um, all of his students that went on to law school and just a really um, great dean of the business school. And so, yeah, those are the two I'm going to name, but there's many more that could go on that list. Nice. Favorite course? Was there a class that you enjoyed either in your major or outside of it? Something you enjoyed? Um, one of the most memorable classes I took was scuba diving my senior year um, with Johnny Watley. I don't know if he still teaches the scuba diving class, but that was, it was great. It was not like any class I had taken in the history, business, political science arena. So that was fun. And we, Jacob and I went on our honeymoon in Greece and got to scuba dive there because we had taken that class. So that was um, one of my favorites. That was just a really fun class. That's awesome. You know, when I was a student, like our recreation options for classes were, you know, badminton, bowling, you know, now there's scuba diving and like <laughs> kayaking. I mean, so many different things. I think it's so fun. It is. Yeah. We were scuba diving into Gray Lake and that was exciting. I couldn't see, you know, three feet in front of my face, but yeah, it was good. I'm sure it was a lot better. Where was it? Greece where you went? Yeah, we, I think we did our scuba diving in Mykonos. Yeah, the water was a little bit clearer than the gray. I will say that. Some different kind of fish to look at than just uh, catfish or things out there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to think about what was in that degree like water that I was swimming alongside. Uh, I know you've seen quite a few Tiger Tunes in your life. Uh, Do you have a favorite tune show, a favorite uh, club performance? Or you can have a couple since you've seen a lot, but. Yeah. Sorry. I know these are supposed to be fast fives. I'm just getting here. Um, I got to be part of the E astronaut alien show and loved that one. Um, loved, got to be part of the Kappa Chi paper boys show. And that one was really fun too. I think one of my favorites that I watched growing up, love Kappa coal miners. That's always going to be kind of the pinnacle of tune shows, but have to give a shout out to the fourth floor as well. Um, I don't know if you watched, they did a bit of a reunion video after Tunes Rewind. And so I watched that and that was just really fun. I had forgotten a good bit of that show until Tunes Rewind. And it was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this was great. You know, so that was a really good one as well. Yeah, I don't think I'd watched it till we got ready to do Rewind. And when Daryl Bumgardner came out in the show, I was like, what? <laughs> Yes, that's it. When I logged on to that rewind that they did, that was the first question. I was like, is Officer Bumgarner going to be on here? Because he was just an integral part of that show. So, yeah. I love that. You know, now we've transitioned to we have a campus police department instead of safety. But I'm so glad that he's still a part of things. And I see him almost every day. One day he called me and he said, "Um, it seems your parking sticker has fallen off your car. I went through the car wash and it like fell off. And he said, do you mind if I put one on for you? And I was like, that's so sweet. Yes, he is fantastic. He is so great. I'm glad to know he's still there. I didn't realize that switch had been made, but yeah, he's yeah, kind now, of a, yeah, he's just an institution at Washtal. Yeah. Now we have, you know, safety folks and we have some students working for them, but we have, you know, police too that are, you know, academy trained folks that are here and which is really 
um, it makes you feel really safe, you know, around campus. So that's been good. I'll never forget freshman year when we had the bank robber on campus. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we probably could have used some trained police officers on campus that day. That was exciting. Yeah, that was an adventure for sure. <laughs> <Wondering> <laughs> where that guy was. Um, do you have a favorite place on campus? I mean, you grew up in town and you grew up around campus. Do you have a favorite spot? Um, yeah, Barry Chapel is really sentimental. My parents were married there and that's where Jacob proposed um, our senior year. So that's really special. And I think a lot of fun memories, though, were down around like the football stadium and the intramural fields. Um we, I don't know if this is still a big thing or not, but when we were at Washita, tailgating at the football games was a really big thing and got to spend a lot of time down there setting that up with Student Senate and was the e-spirit leader for a year. So Elizabeth White and I were always down there decorating the tailgating areas and then doing intramural sports. Um, I was not good at all, but the Kappas always needed, you know, to have a certain number of girls on their softball team. So I was enlisted just to stand there and that was about all that I could contribute. But yeah, just a lot of fun afternoons and Saturdays during football season spent down around the football field and the intramural field area. And so um, that would be one of my favorite spots as well, I think. Yeah, we've missed that with fall without football. It's, you know, Emily and I love going to all the games and it's just been really kind of sad to not have them, but I'm glad that students are still, you know, they're practicing, having scrimmages, but we're missing those games. Yes. Well, I look forward to fall of 2021. We will be there in our purple and gold, ready to watch and cheer. I love it. I hope to be as well. <laughs> um, do you have a, I know there's so many memories, but do you have like a one or two favorite Washington memories? Like this was one of my favorite days. Um, you know, people ask me that kind of thing all the time. And I'm like, you know, during Purple Plaza party when everything was perfect and the flags were blowing, like that was one of my favorite days or like a really great Saturday morning of homecoming. But do you have some uh, favorite Washtaw days, some favorite memories? Oh, that could be a whole second hour to this podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So many um, fun mornings doing, I remember putting cups in the fence with the ease before football games. Um, that was always fun. And then getting up early during homecoming with student Senate to kind of blow up the balloons and decorate campus and just getting to see that was really, really fun. Um, it's not an on-campus memory, but I went to um, South Africa with campus ministries, I think my junior year. And that was a really fun trip and a lot of really fun memories um, on that trip. But one of my, yeah, I guess it's a really fun memory was we did um, like a find your sister and Mr. Date night thing with the E's my junior year. And I was the one coordinating it. And it was all a big ploy to get to go on a date with Jacob. This was before we started dating. So I found out who had drawn my name and it was Stephanie Hampton. So I went to Stephanie and was like, hey, you should ask Jacob, you know, that'd be really fun. So that was, yeah, a really fun memory that I have was when we all, we had probably 30 people that participated and we all went on this big group date to Dino's, which I don't think is still there anymore, but we went to Dino's and did karaoke and had dinner. And that was just kind of the quintessential Washita social club group day, came back to campus and all did CDAs. So that's a memory that stands out that I feel like encompasses a lot of Washita. <laughs> 
That's fun. Yeah. We had another couple on the podcast that talked about meeting that way with that, you know, find your sister and mister thing. Yeah. Like if they're not doing it now, they need to, cause it's worked for some folks. So. Oh yeah, no, it is so fun. It's, and just to go on a big date like that with all your friends too, it's a great first date. I would 10, 10 would recommend. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, this has been fun walking down your uh, Washa memory lane here. Anything else you want to share with your Washa family today? Um, I just want to thank you for having me on and letting me spend the morning reminiscing. This has been so much fun and it's been great to look back at Washita and, you know, the role that it's played, but I'm also really excited about all that's ahead for Washita. I'm amazed at everything that is happening on campus and kind of the resiliency of the faculty and staff and students right now. So thank you, John, and everyone that's still on campus for all y'all are doing. I look forward to tunes this spring and everything else that's Headed in the future for Washtenaw. Yeah, we're trying to keep the dream alive over here and keep things rolling. I think we're, you know, in the seventies now. We have a we had a hundred days from school starting to when folks would go home before Thanksgiving, and I think today is day seventy one. I think so. We're oh. well on our way to making it through the semester. So, well, that's great. And please know it does not go unnoticed from even just coming up with the idea to do a podcast, but, you know, to help everyone still feel connected while we can't come be on campus. I mean, y'all are doing such great work. So thank you for what y'all are doing. Well, thank you. It's been uh, fun keeping up with you on social media and seeing you when you've been on campus. And I love the way that you're finding a way to make a difference in every aspect of your life. I mean, from church, from adopting Rodney and being such a great influence in his life to PPP loans and taking care of those clients that that needed that so desperately. So um, just thank you for uh, the light that you bring to so many people. And we just uh, love doing that. I told Emily, I was going to ask you the real question is when can we vote for you for president? Like when is that going to going to be uh, up for vote? Because I think that you need to be president of the United States. So well, thank you, John. Constitutionally, <laughs> I'm not old enough yet, but I will keep you posted. You will be the first to know. <laughs> Okay. Well, we're your fan club here. We're ready to, uh, you know, do that work for you. So let us know. But thank you so much, John. This has been so great. and Appreciate everyone listening. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.